So, turn over to uh, Titus chapter 2, and what you're going to see is this contrast from chapter 1 to chapter 2. Look at chapter 1. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, for un- unfit for any good work. Who is they? Tell me, tell me, who is they? Who was here last week? It's the false prophets, right? It's the false teachers. It's the people that are like saying something different than Titus and Paul are saying. They're saying, hey, we want you to be healthy. We want you to have sound doctrine. And they're saying, no, 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 no. You got to be like this. You got to do that. Like we're smarter. We're, we're stronger. We know more. And, uh, but they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. So contrary to that, okay, so look at the first word of chapter 2. What does it say? First word of chapter 2. But. Not like that. Not like the false teachers. Not tossed to and fro. But centered on godly doctrine. So but. There's going to be this transition. So here's, here's the setup. The title of the message today is Pursue Maturity. Pursue Maturity. And I feel like we need God's help to grow up firm in the faith Maturity is a, um, a ripeness, a fruitfulness. It's a fully developed. Did you know that God expects our best? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God has some expectations on you. You're going to see those today in the message. God expects our best in the Christian life and as we live in the church And I want you to see what his expectations are today so that you can go hard after those. Because don't you want to please God? Who wants to please God? I want to please God. That was an easy setup. I want to please God, so I'm going to read this passage. Um, Let me pray first. Let's pray. God Almighty, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for how he's come from heaven to earth, to show us the way to a relationship with you, Father, with you, Son, Jesus Christ, and with you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this room right now because we know that you have the power to connect us to the Father and the Son, even though they're not here where we can see them touch them, feel them. You are the connector and we can be connected to them through you. So we submit ourselves to you, to your will and to your filling. Please do this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Got to take these out because I talk so much better when I don't have them in. How about that? All right. So here's the thing. First thought, I want to, well, you just got to go to the app. You guys got the app? Who's got the app? Where did I put my phone? I put it somewhere. There it is. So if you have the app, you can follow along right there. And you can see that we're in a series called Blueprint Instructions for Building the Church. And that I'm going to be preaching from Titus chapter 2. And that we're going to be pursuing maturity. So let's get after it. The first thought, you can see it right there. 
God's plan, God's blueprint for the church is maturity in our church. God's plan is maturity in our church. You're like, well, prove it to me. All right, I'd love to prove it to you. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. The word sound means healthy. You can write that in your Bible right there. Sound means healthy. You're like, what does sound mean? Healthy. Healthy doctrine. Older men, if you're an older man, if you're over 50 years of age, let's just use that. Some of us are creeping up on that, but uh, if you're 50 years of age, we'll just say that. But, you know, it's probably not a particular age, but I'll just give you that as a target. Older men, that's one category, you could circle that or highlight that, are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound. That's, what does sound mean? Okay, one person knows what sound means. Come on now, people. Wake up. You got an extra hour of sleep this week. All right, sound means healthy. All right, it's like the teacher when he like gives you the answers to the test, and then he says, here's the test. All you have to do is like, that's it. Just, just provide the answer. All right, there it is. Okay, so sound means healthy. So he wants them to be healthy in faith, in love, and in steadfastness, endurance, perseverance, you might even put hope. The Bible uses faith, love, and hope so many times. Isn't that what steadfastness is? Isn't that what carrying on is? It's a hope of a better thing. I'll keep going because I have hope that there's something more. Older women, that's like an oxymoron. You should never use those two words together. If you, if you want to live a long life, young men. Never use those two words together. I am preaching from the word of God. This is the sacred scriptures. Older women. Likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Isn't that the end goal? That nobody can say the word of God's bad. Because this is life and breath to those that are perishing. If the word of God is true, then everyone else is a liar. This is it. Likewise, Urge young men. How many people do we have now? Hold up. How many people do we have? Older women? Younger women? Uh, older women? And? Younger men? Did you, there's a fifth one. Did you catch it? Who's the fifth one? Come on, this is a puzzle. Say it again. Bond servants, that's coming. I haven't gotten there yet, but there's one that's already. So first verse, the word is you. So who's he talking to? Paul's talking to Titus, a preacher, a teacher of the gospel. So you, preacher, teacher of the gospel. Okay, so we have five groups so far. Okay, keep going. Likewise, urge, stronger than, uh, 
teach, it's like encourage strongly, urge young men to be self-controlled. If you're a young man, you got to be kind of happy with like, oh, this is a short list. I got like one thing I have to do. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. You know, I have one thing I need to do as a young man, and it's like, why can't I get it done? Why can't I have the discipline to get that done? Uh, he, he boils it down for us. Young men, we got to get on to our self-control. Show yourself, he's back to you, to who? Titus, thank you. Thank you, somebody's paying attention. All right, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound. Sound means healthy. All right. Hey, there you are, church. I love it. Healthy speech that cannot be condemned so that an opportunity, so that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters. Who's wondering what a bond servant is? Who's wondering? This is where you get to feed yourself. There's a preface, a preface in the beginning of the Bible. Have you ever read the preface before? Now would be a good time. If you go to the preface, it tells you there's three Greek words. There's, there's well, actually one word, doulos, and there's like kind of three meanings for it. There's the slave, okay? There's the servant, and there's the bondservant. I mean, there are different levels of servitude, but a bondservant is basically, I'm just going to say it, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. It's an employee. It's somebody that chooses to work for another person because they need the income Either that person's providing them housing or income, a way to provide for their family. It's an employee. That's what it is. People get kind of weird about this. It's an employee. That's it, okay? Employees, bond servants, are to be submissive to their own masters. We don't call our employers masters, do we? No, we call them employers. Be submissive to your employer, right? The one paying for you. In everything, they are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative. Ooh, that stings a bit. Not pilfering. I mean, just throw your hands up. Like, who used that word? Have you ever used that word? Who uses that word? Come on, geek out. Who uses the word pilfering? Come on, I'm waiting for a hand. She, you do, Carrie? Come on. You are the most intelligent person. You are not the weakest link. Um, I'm telling you what, like I would never use that word pilfering. So I had to go look it up. I was like, what does that mean? Well, you kind of know what it means. What does it mean? Stealing, stealing right? You can kind of, you read it and it's like, oh, it kind of sounds like it should mean stealing. That's what it means. It means stealing. Not, not stealing, <laughs> but showing all good faith so that in everything you may adorn that word adorn is so important. Circle that word. The doctrine of God our Savior. Let me just read the rest of this here. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. Woohoo! We just sang about the resurrection. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. That's in you. 
You have to deny yourself and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Don't just wait for heaven where you're going to be perfected. Try now. Waiting for our blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous. Are you seeing the excitement level go up in me? Who are zealous, they're excited, they're ready for good works. I read all that because it's the gospel and it's encouraging. I'm going to preach those verses next week. Come back, bring your friends. And then verse 15. Declare these things. Who's he talking to? Who's he talking to? Titus, right? Declare these things, Titus, so the you is implied. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Let no one disregard you. Okay, I read all that. Can you see point one? Point one, God's plan is maturity in the church. What God wants, his blueprint for your life, for my life, whether you're an older man or younger man, whether you're an older woman or younger woman, God wants you to grow up into maturity. And he tells you right here how to do it. So that transitions us to point two. Our responsibility is to pursue maturity individually. You can't just say, oh yeah, as a church we need to be mature. I hope my pastor's mature. That'll make our church mature. Uh -uh Uh-uh-uh-uh. No, don't blame me. Like, we have to be in this together. So he wants us to do this individually. Our responsibility is to pursue pursue maturity individually. And as we each pursue maturity, that builds the church up in love. All right, are you ready, church, to get what your role is, right? Because you kind of have to know what your role is. Each of us has his own responsibility, our own role in the church. Let's start with the pastor. You always start with yourself, right? Here's what the pastor's supposed to do. Look at it. A pastor, a teacher, maybe an elder, maybe not, depends. We'll see. A pastor, teacher, is supposed to teach and model godly living that comes from applying healthy teaching or doctrine to his own life. That's my role. I'm supposed to, number one, model for you and teach you, right? Both. Has to come out my mouth, but you have to be able to see it in my life. This is what godly doctrine produces. This is what, this, we read this in scripture and we do this. We read this in scripture, we do it. Not perfectly. Who's perfect? <laughs> but we progress in it, we keep going in it, we go week by week, we trust the Lord more and he helps us. You see it there. He says, and, and you're like, well, where'd you get that point? But as for you, Teach what accords with healthy doctrine. What's the pastor supposed to do? Teach 
what accords with healthy doctrine. Okay, look at verse uh, 7. Show yourself, that's Titus, in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech, healthy speech, that cannot be condemned. Now, I wrote this down because, you know, people do condemn preachers. I don't know if you know that, but people do condemn preachers. And I wrote this down. This is a quote from the Bible Knowledge Commentary. Paul was always concerned lest those who oppose the truth be provided ammunition for their attacks. Far better, said the apostle, that they be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. All right, and then he says this. This really caught my attention. They would not cease their attacks, so they're still going to attack you. That's what he's saying. Of course... They're still going to attack you, but they might at least be embarrassed by having to make up their own false accusations. I thought that was amazing. Sometimes, you know, when you get accused as a pastor, you kind of get in your head, you're like, oh, maybe maybe I'm doing that. And like, you really have to go to God and you have to get on your knees, you have to repent and you have to say, God, how do you see me? It's not how the person sees me that's this or how the person sees me that's that. It's how do you see me, God? And you have to do that too, church. Right? We're not our best performance and we're not our worst evaluation. We're what God says we are. We're followers of Jesus Christ. I hope this is encouraging you right now because I studied this this week and I was like, oh man, you know... But people do condemn. But people do say. But people do attack. But that's not the point. Are you preaching the word? If you're preaching the word, then they have nothing to attack. They have nothing to condemn. I love that. It was precious to me this week as I studied and I'm learning just like you're learning. I love the word integrity. Dignity sound speech, integrity, dignity, and sound speech. Integrity means purity of motive. If I get up here to make a paycheck, that's not going well. If I get up here because I love God's word and I want you to download God's word into your life, that's good stuff. Purity of motive. Why are you doing this, Steve? Why are you teaching sound doctrine? What's in it for you? And then dignity. That's something I've been growing in. It's seriousness. I'm kind of a kid at heart. I just love, like, I kind of use slang. Hey, buddy. Hey, man. You know, and I've just, God has been stripping that away from me. And it is so hard. Because I want to be relational. I want to be your buddy. I want to be your friend. I want you to like me. And what I'm learning is like, wait, wait a second. Your pastor needs to be relatable. That's fine. But he also needs to have a seriousness to him. Understanding what the Lord is asking him and the church to do and being serious about doing that. And there's a dignity there. And I'm trying to, maybe you've noticed that. I've started to call myself Pastor Steve. For the first nine years of our church, I used to like, rebuke people when they call me. Oh, I'm just a normal guy. My name's Steve, you know. 
that hurt our church. Because our church forgot what it's like to respect an authority. And, and I, so I've, I've tried to be more dignified in that way. And then sound, healthy speech. Conforming to healthy doctrine. Not being able to be criticized, right? So that's what we're going for. And then look at verse 15. Let's just finish this strong. Hey, pastors. I want to get me out of the way first. Then I get to come for you. No, it's not like that at all. We're all learning together. And you're kind of in several categories. Did you know that? I feel like I'm in the pastor category, but I feel like I'm maybe in the old man category, along with a few others of you. (laughs) At least I hurt like an old man today. And then, you know, the young man, like the self-control man, like don't leave that behind. So I feel like I have several different places. And, and you probably feel like, well, older women are told to teach. So you better start applying some of this stuff to you, right? And so um, just, just don't t- tune out, right? So declare these things, exhort and rebuke, and encourage and challenge with all authority. What is our authority? The Word of God is our authority, right? This book is our authority. With all authority. Jesus says, I was given all authority. I rose from the dead. And he also said, I give you the authority. We have the authority. Let no one disregard you. If you're preaching the word, don't be, don't be obnoxious. Okay, Don't be that guy on the corner that's like, repent, you're going to hell. Hey, that's a great message. Maybe you should use some love in that message. And I know there's tough love. I get that. But there's also like, hey, I love you. What I really need to tell you is if you continue down this path, you're going to end up hurting yourself and others around you. And the end of this game leads to death, separation from God. We call that hell. I know that word's hard to hear, but that's the truth. But there's a way, right, that leads to righteousness. It's Jesus Christ. Do you know this? Have you heard this story? This is the gospel. (laughs) It's the sweetest story. It is the best news you could ever hear. See, that's what we're supposed to do as teachers. We're supposed to teach people the living word, the gospel. Every week, every day, the gospel applied to our lives. All of these things, all of these roles that I'm outlining for you are supposed to be surrounded by, encompassed by the gospel grace. If you're like, if you leave here and you're like, well, our pastor, blah, blah, blah. Remember grace. Oh, that old lady. Again, I told you not to use that term. (laughs) That young guy, he really needs to, like, grace. Mercy triumphs over judgment. The same grace you want to apply to you, apply that to others as well. All right, let's get into it. Second thing here, older men. This deals with age, not office, okay? 
in the first chapter, it was like office, not necessarily age. An elder doesn't necessarily have to be elderly. (laughs) He doesn't have to be old. But he does have to be biblically sound. Okay. Do you see it here? How many things for the older man? Kids, can you count? How many things for the older man? One, two, three, and four. Thank you. It's four. And there's three parts to the fourth one. Okay, that's not three different things. It's not five, six, seven, right? That's not four, five, six. It's, it's, it's four. Okay, so here's the first one. Sober-minded. It means temperate. How many of you guys have that written in your Bible? Temperate. You're using a different version than the ESV. Yeah, good, good. That's probably a better translation, honestly. And the Bible, if you read different versions, it's going to have different words in there, but temperate. Temperate means abstaining from wine. Clear-headed. Sober-minded. As in, I'm not clouding my thinking with other stuff. That's a good thing. Be clear-minded. Okay, dignified. Older men, dignified. Same thing as for the pastor teacher. It's worthy of respect, serious-minded. This is fun. Kids, anybody dress up like a clown yesterday? Okay, not clowns. Older men shouldn't be clowns. No, that's not an older man. That's not it. Okay? An older man has a, a weight, a dignity. I've earned this through experience. I've been through some stuff, some suffering. This is not an easy life. I have a smile on my face, but I'm not doing cartwheels and acting like a clown. All right, you get the picture? Everybody get the picture? All right, older men, we know what our target is. Then you have self-controlled. He tells everybody this, self-mastery. I always like to say self-controlled is spirit-controlled, but I think you have to work with the Holy Spirit to be self-controlled. It is a fruit of the Spirit, yes, but you need to actually work with the Holy Spirit. You need to give something to it as well. You can't just be like, Holy Spirit, help me to be self-controlled. All right, I am now. Come on, dude. Like, put the donut down. You know? Like, I mean, you have to use some restraint. No, well, the Holy Spirit, you know, like, you don't blame the Holy Spirit for your lack of restraint. Okay, all of us could learn from that. And then healthy in faith, love, and perseverance, endurance. See, older men know what it's like to endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. All right. Older women, here it is, older women. Oh, can we go back? Go back one more, sorry, Jeremy. Mature, here's what you need to focus on, older men. I want to do this, summarize it for you. Mature and healthy living. Write that down. If you're even near 50 and you're a guy, write that down. Mature and healthy living. That's what we're to focus on, and that's our role. We bring that to the church. Let's do it well. All right, this, older women, intentional and godly training. Here it is. You look at it in the scriptures. What verse are we on? Three. Great. Thank you. Older women, likewise, so be like the older men, have these qualities as well. 
are to be reverent in behavior, to revere life itself, not slanderers, not gossiping. Why is that a problem for older women? Because they've raised their kids. The kids are out of the house. I have time on my hands. I can go do what I want to do. I've done the hard stuff in life. Now I can go have some fun. But I'm going to fill that time with something. And he's saying, don't fill that with words. Don't fill it with slander. And don't fill it with wine. Don't be a slave to wine. And then he says this, and this is the biggest point. You are to teach what is good. You're like, well, what's good? Any older woman's like, hey, what's good? Tell me what's good. Teach what's good. I, I want to do that. Wait till we get to the younger women. You're going to get a list of seven things that are good. All right? Teach what is good, and so train the young women. Young women, listen up. This is what's good. It's for you. It's how your life should be categorized. And older women are supposed to teach you this. Why not the pastor? Is anybody thinking that? I'm thinking that. I'm the pastor. Why am I not supposed to be teaching younger women? Do you get it? Older women teach younger women because lest I, you know, I got to separate myself. I have a wife, right? I don't want you to fall in love with my teaching. I don't know. Hold on. No, 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 no. Wait. Fall in love with the Jesus. Fall in love with the, the word of God, right? Like, I don't want to be, no, nothing inappropriate here, right? So I think, and again, you have to realize the background. They're on Crete. There's sexual immorality. There's temple prostitutes. There's, it's bad, right? And these girls are being saved out of this. And they're like, now what? He's going to give them seven things, now what? But he's going to say, hey, I don't need the pastor teaching you that. I don't need the guy up front teaching you that. I need the older women teaching you that. Older ladies, you have a huge role in our church. All right, younger women, here it is. Young women, to love their husbands and love their children. This is a pair. Love your, your man and love your kids. This is not a phileo love. <laughs> this is agape love. This is unconditional, sacrificial, it's supernatural. This comes from God, from the Holy Spirit in you. Because I, I guarantee you, you will not want to pick up that underwear again. You will not want to tell that dude to like put his chips away again. You, anyway, I think about a million examples of what I've done wrong, and my wife has borne with me. All right, the next pair is... Self-control, it's the duty of all, and purity, a chastity of life, a purity of heart and mind in your conduct. And then there's another pair, working at home. I wrote this down, this is the best way I've ever heard it said. Her absorbing interest, do you get that? Her absorbing interest, this could consume you. Her absorbing interest is in the innumerable duties of the home. Isn't there? Come on now. Isn't there like a ton of stuff you got to do at home? Like how do I do this and do this and do this and take care of this? And it's like I got so much. I get it. It's a lot. 
work at home, have home be your major priority. I'm not saying you shouldn't work outside the home. That's not what I'm saying. Everybody say that's not what he's saying. I'm not saying that, and the Bible's not saying that. The Bible's saying if the home, your husband, your kids, isn't your first priority, we got things out of order. That's what it's saying, okay? Working at home, and then do you see what's paired with working at home? What is it? Come on now, what's the next thing? Kind. Why? Because when you start working as hard as I've seen my wife work, you can get cranky. You can get real cranky about it. You're like, and I have to do all this because you guys are doing that? Like, come on. And so he pairs this working hard at home, having this be the focus with like, uh, there's going to be days you're going to be kind of cranky. But you need to be kind in it. And it's hard. I'm not saying this is easy, ladies. And I'm not a young lady, right? I'm not, thank you. Like, I'm not. I'm an old man. But this kindness, this self-giving, and the temptation is to be irritated and harsh in the demands of others in your house. But don't do it. Be kind. Be kind. Okay, and the last thing is to be submissive. Submissive to their own husband. Why does he say that? Does this world not attack the headship of Jesus Christ? That Jesus is the head of the church? Yes. Does this world not attack the headship of a man, uh, not over a woman, but is it a different role of a woman? We're equal, but the, the man's supposed to lead. Adam was supposed to lead Eve. Where was he when Eve ate the fruit? Come on, what's wrong with you, right? I probably would have done the same thing because we don't always lead that well. But we're supposed to. And God made it so. Adam was, he could have created woman first. He created man first. This was his plan, right? And so the headship of a man, a husband over a wife, that's just like Christ in the church, husband and wife. You can go read Ephesians chapter 5. And we're supposed to be submissive. Young ladies, really it means newly married. And they got married a lot younger than you do. It was like, hey, these are the things that you're supposed to do. So older ladies, are we clear? These are the good things. Teach these good things to the ladies that are younger. And younger ladies, are you clear? These are the things that you need to be learning, eating up, going, I want to be like this. I want to be a woman like that. All right, keep going. Young men, how, how long's your detention span? I'm going to give you one thing. Be self-controlled. Did you hear me, young man? No. All right. Maybe that's why he only said one thing. Because he knew I'd have to repeat it like five times. Hey, young men, be self-controlled. What does that mean? Self-control and sensible living. Stop doing that and do that. Stop playing Clash of Clans and read your Bible. Did I step on somebody's toes? In church? Right now? Come on, man. All right? So here's the thing. I like Clash of Clans too. But it, it's addicting. 
And I, it was like, I could only, I always had to look at it. And my wife finally says to me, because she's a good lady, she's like, dude, that thing's controlling you. And I was like, you know what? It is. You're right. It wasn't that easy. A few, and then, yeah, that's it. You're right. And then I deleted it. And that's that. I haven't done it since. Why? Self-control. How many football games are you going to watch today, young man? One? Two? Three? I'm talking from my own experience. I get done preaching, I'm tired. Maybe I'll watch a game. Maybe I'll watch another game. Oh man, Sunday Night Football looks like a great matchup. Maybe I'll not watch another game. That's nine plus hours of football. Well, mostly it's commercials, but there was some football in there. Am I making my point? We are wasting our time. And it's not even our time. It's God's time. He's given you time on this earth. You don't know how long you have. Tick tock, tick tock. How are you going to use your time, church? Because the Bible tells me and you, we need to pursue maturity. Because people are walking into hell. And they're looking at us and going, you're just like me. What's the difference? That was strong. I feel like that's the word God has for us today. I know there's like X's and O's. You got to go study your thing, old man. You got to go study your thing, older woman. You got to go study your thing, young man. It won't take long. But you got a long list of things that you need to control your urges, your passions, your desires. Get them under control. I'll tell you what, we need to focus on being mature in Christ. And this is so vital for a healthy, vibrant church. This is the blueprint God's given us to build up the church together in love. All right, let's get to it. Who's an employee? Anybody employee? Okay, there's a lot of employees. I'm an employee too. I work for y'all. It's kind of like high V, I guess. Y'all kind of own me. All right, so I work for you all, all right, you pay my salary and I'm here to teach you the word and help you grow in your relationship with Christ. Here's what an employee does. Be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing. You know, there's a difference between pleasing and serving. I have an older man in my life. I've always got to have a mentor, right? who's taught me this. It's like, because I always say I'm a people pleaser, and he's like, well, are you pleasing people or are you serving people? There's a difference, right? Because you please somebody, you just tell them what you, they want to hear. Hey, this is what you want to hear, this is what you want to hear, this is what you want to hear. Okay, yeah, yeah. People, you want to have your ears itched today? Okay, I'll just come and tell some funny jokes and tell you you're awesome. Then you can go home and continue to be awesome for nine hours of football, Right? That's not what I'm doing. I'm serving you. I'm your pastor. I'm your servant leader. I'm saying to you, hey, let me serve you by telling you the truth of the word. This might sting a little bit. It might hurt a little bit. But I love you and I'll walk with it through you. I'll walk through it with you. Okay? But let's go together. And and it might be hard, but let's go together. Okay? So that's what I mean by well-pleasing. I'm serving you. 
Not argumentative. Eh. When you go to work, are you like, my boss said to do it this way, but I got a better way to do it. And I'm going to tell everybody in the office there's a better way to do it. Dude, that is not Christian. (laughs) That is not a great example. You might have a better way to do it. I think you should go talk to your boss in a loving, godly way. And I think if he or she tells you, no, I thought about it. I've probably been thinking about it for 50 hours longer than you thought about it for your one hour. And here's why we're doing what we're doing. Or maybe they'll just tell you, no, we're doing it this way. Then what are we to do, believers in Jesus Christ? We are to obey. We are to say, I'm going to get behind that way. I'm going to do it the best I can inside of those parameters. And I'm going to show the gospel in the way I do this. That's what we're supposed to do. All right, got to keep going. That's really strong, though. That's good stuff. Not stealing. Not stealing. You're like, I haven't stole any money at work, but did you steal time? Did you steal energy? I, I, I think that I just... I just think we need to think clearly about what we're talking about. I don't think we can just be like, well, I never stole any money. Well, yeah, but there's other things you could be stealing from the person you're supposed to. You're supposed to gain a wage from someone, right? They're providing you an income. Give them what they're due in a godly way. But showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn The doctrine, that's what we've been studying, of God our Savior. All right, let me just get to it right here. Bondservants, do what your authority tells you to do with a good attitude. How hard is that today in this culture? We're supposed to be countercultural. We're supposed to be different. So you ought to stick out in your office because nobody else is going to be doing this. You have a great opportunity this week to shine the light of Christ by just changing this one thing. And people will be like, what? What's going on? Well, you know, my pastor on Sunday, man, he laid it down. And he said, as an employee, I need to be an employee. Stop trying to be the boss. And so I'm going to be a better employee this week. In Jesus' name. Like, you just said Jesus and work? I did. Because that's who I'm serving. You have a great opportunity this week. All right, this word adorn, I think it's so important to beautify. So I had a can of uh, pledge on my dresser to bring. And it says for beautifying on it. And uh, I don't have it. Um, But uh, I think it got thrown away. Because it was empty. That's why I was going to bring it. Here's the point. Have you ever used the pledge? Wood spray? You know how it's all dingy because it's dusty and stuff? And then you spray that on it, and you wipe it off, and what happens? It shines. It looks beautiful. Like it was intended to look. Guys, Jesus paid for you and me, for our sin. His grace applied to our life is supposed to beautify us. It's supposed to shine. It's supposed to be splendor. 
Maybe you need to take a little pledge to your life today and dust it off and make it shine a little bit so that others may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Matthew 5.16. Guys, the point of the message is we're supposed to go out there and live, whether older man, older woman, younger man, younger woman, we're supposed to go out there as an employee, as a teacher of the Word of God. We're all, everybody say all. We're all supposed to go out there and shine the light of Jesus Christ on the people around us. That is what we do. Our doctrine should show other people who Jesus is and what Jesus has done in our life and what he can and will do for them. Okay, let's go to the last two slides. I'm waiting. Number three. My maturity attracts others, one, to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and two, to our church. Here's what I'd like you to do. I laid some cards out there. These are invite cards. You're invited to this church next Sunday where I'm going to be presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ in three verses. Four verses. I could count again. What I want you to do is use these invitations as the Spirit leads. This is not a twist your arm or anything like that. As the Spirit leads, invite someone to church next week and we're going to test our maturity, our luster, right? Are they going to be like, oh man, you're just like me. I don't need that stuff. Or are they going to be like, yeah, there's something different about you. Maybe I should go check that out. We're all going to test that, okay? It's going to be a good test for us. And because my maturity, my personal maturity in Jesus Christ attracts others to the gospel of Jesus and to the church of Jesus Christ. Guys, I'm going to put these two phrases up there. I felt like God had them for you. This is it. Make the word of God and the gospel of Jesus beautiful. Beautify, adorn the gospel of God. Okay? And then this. You guys need that? It's on the app. Maybe I should just keep going quick so you have to get to it. No, I love you. Slow down, professor. I'm in a hurry because I feel like I'm over time. Make healthy teaching and living attractive to others. Make healthy teaching and living attractive to others. This is our commission as we leave this place. Guys, do you realize the opportunity we have? Our world is a mess. And you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Jesus has already applied the blood to you. You have a Father who loves you unconditionally and will give you good gifts. Just ask and you will receive in Jesus' name this week. Go ask God, who should I invite? Give me an opportunity. Give me a God moment. And then when it comes, take it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Invite somebody to Jesus Christ. Share the gospel. You don't have to wait for me to do it next Sunday. That might be too late. Share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And maybe they get saved and you invite them to church. But either way, hey, would you like to come? Come with me. People need stuff. People need something right now in this world. They need something. 
And what they don't know is they need Jesus. And we're the ones that Jesus sent to help give that to them, to help help them get there. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for this strong word from your uh, living word. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will apply it to our lives. I pray that we will consider our lives and want to tell and teach others in Jesus' name the things we're learning, how we're growing. May we practice these things so that all may see our good works, so that all may see our progress. Father, we so badly want to represent you. Jesus, we so badly want to represent you here on this earth. We want you to be glorified. And so we turn to you. We embrace you as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you are enough for us. Jesus, you are enough for us to live in a godly, healthy, sound, doctrinal way. You are enough for us to live in such a way that our teaching comes out in our living. Our preaching comes out in our pattern or practice of life. So Christ, I pray that you will be enough for us every day this week and that we will serve you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.